Hey listeners, this is Kyle. As a way to make up for our weird recording and publishing schedule, a friend and fan of the podcast, her name is Danielle, graciously recorded a live react to our movie, Sorry to Bother You. Now, this was done without our input, so these are uh, completely her own thoughts, and it's it's really interesting to hear what she came up with that we didn't. So I hope that you will enjoy, and we will be back next week with our Down and Derby episode. Initial thoughts are we're in the opening of the movie and he's already going on about existential dread and like thinking about dying and what will I have done that matters? And I'm like, oh, we're in that kind of movie, which I guess I shouldn't judge too harshly. That's uh, a lot of movies. A lot of movies do that. And a lot of movies are retell. A lot of stories are retold, but my, my knee jerk reaction was I rolled my eyes to that. <laughs> Why does it have to mean something to the world, to the universe? Why do you have to leave a legacy? He's talking about nothing I'll have done means anything. Does it mean anything to you? You're the only one it needs to mean anything to. Get over it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's harsh. <laughs> but yeah, it only needs to mean anything to you. Your girlfriend gets it. Girlfriend gets it. Just get on her level. Get on her level. He just watched that infomercial and I can tell it's going to be important to something that goes on in the movie because of how much, like, screen time they gave that infomercial and him watching that infomercial. But my immediate reaction is, it's a cult. The subtly not-so-subtle picture of one naked girl on the wall of glory at work. Not-so-professional, really setting the tone for what kind of company this is. I'm very intrigued by and very confused by how it shows him dropping into these people's homes. It's his first day of work, and it shows him dropping in to the places he's calling, but it doesn't show him dropping back out. I feel like maybe that's foreshadowing for the struggles he's about to go through, because, you know, the preview gives away that this is a code-switching movie, and that I so maybe I'm being a little, like, too read-between-the-lines here, but... It's showing him dropping in and not dropping back out. So I'm thinking, you know, he's going to do, he's going to end up getting into like a code switching habit and it's going to like turn into some sort of weird addiction and then he's not going to be able to find his way back to himself or something like that. I think, I think it's deliberate. I think it's a deliberate choice and it fits with the theme of the movie like that in that subtle way. Okay, we just got the little, the speech, the guidance from the older black man who sits next to him in the office. And at first I was thinking the same thing that our main character was thinking. I was like, he doesn't talk particularly quote unquote black, like hood. Is it, I don't know how to pronounce his ebonics, eubonics. He doesn't speak with that, what stereotypically people refer to when they say like, you sound black. He doesn't sound like that. He sounds very neutral, which is what he was saying to this older gentleman. And then he was like, no, I'm not talking about sounding all nasal. I'm talking about sounding like you don't like you're successful. Talk like you like you're successful and like you've never experienced burdens. Talk like you were raised with white, white privilege, which was a really interesting sell on it. And I was like, oh my god, you're telemarketing white voice to to us right now. <laughs> but then, but the, which I thought was like really interesting and really kind of 
an interesting way to go with the movie, and then he immediately proceeded to go in with his nasally, stereotypical white man voice that he just said that he wasn't talking about doing. The whole thing was very funny. Uh, this new girl, team leader, she gave us the, we're a team, we're a family, we're team members, and we're family, and we lean on each other. She gave us that shit. That's, mm, those are key words for, we are going to take advantage of you. I know that just from general knowledge, and I know that from experience. If, if, if a company uses team or a family, you're about to get screwed. People call him cash. Oh my god, how much more on the nose can we be right now? I love rolling up on the girlfriend, spinning her signs. She is just, she's rocking it. She's living her best life. She's like, whatever. She just has the right energy, man. You can tell that she's totally the the juxtaposition to cash and being so satisfied with with her life and how and whatever the hell's going on in it and i just love it love her love it yep we're not even deep into the movie yet and they're already exposing that the work life thing from the infomercial that's already debunked yep okay we're into the montage now of how he's making all these sales with his white voice his white voice that he found so easily it's not that i don't believe it it's just i think I'll really be able to tell, you know, the further into the movie I get, but it seems like they just, you know, for being opposed to it at first, he just like literally just snapped into having this, not just kind of a white voice, but like this magical white voice that like confused all his friends and like all of a sudden here he is just being a success at work. The setup that they were giving us with like his struggle and his depression and his existential dread, it made it seem like he was going to have more. And then his denying... Like, you can't decide what's black and white, he said. And and this, I don't talk with that, with the, he was arguing with the elder black guy at work about, I don't talk like that to then counter it with the white voice. What are you talking about? He just, he seemed to fall into this a little too easily. And I think it's, I'm getting the sense that like, I just kind of have to suspend my disbelief in order for the story to continue. But like, I think they could have done something better with that editing wise. All right, why are the fiancé's earrings important? This is now the third time I've heard them complimented, and we've got a shot of her earrings. First, it was murder and kill. The second, it was sparkly rainbow dicks. Now, it was a guy in, a, in an electric chair. I mean, I kind of get what they're signaling towards, given the, the plot of the movie, but why her earrings? Why her and why earrings? Oh my god, they're at the little pep talk before the strike. Cash is going to sell them all out. He is going to, I just know, he's going to ruin everything. He's going to ruin everything because he's going to, he's greedy. I was wrong. He didn't fuck it up. He didn't sell anybody out. That's totally where I thought it was headed. Anyway, they just showed us the clip of he was offered the promotion and it showed all of his bosses dressed up like a football team. After just, you know, a few minutes back, he gave us that spiel about the kids who played football at his high school. They're just stuck. They're trapped. They're not doing anything. They're not going anywhere with their lives. And they just showed us this of, here's your promotion, and now we're a football team. Directly mirroring what we were just told about his football team. I wonder if that is just for our knowledge, if this is like irony of, you know, the audience sees it and the protagonist doesn't, that this will be the thing that traps him and takes his life nowhere, like the football team he was talking about. Or I wonder if, you know, he is experiencing it this way and realizing already how trapped he is. I guess we will find out. Okay, we just had that awkward moment with the white girl, like, team leader from downstairs, seeing him onto the elevator for his first day as a power caller. She's all hitting on him now, which is just 
gross, but whatever. She tried to do the whole, like, motherfucker, I've always wanted to say that. I don't know what to call that. I don't know what the what the correct thing to name that behavior is, but I know that it's a behavior, and it's specifically in this movie right now to to be, like, the opposite side of the spectrum of, like, he's over here with his white voice, and here she was, like, making a very, very flaccid attempt at a, quote, black voice. And then... He gets off the elevator. Oh, and then what was that elevator spiel with, like, the you're in your sexual prime? Where the heck does that fit in? That was very funny. But, like, was there a purpose to that other than just being funny? I don't even know. uh, It was... We'll find out, I guess. But then he gets off the elevator, and a black man greets him, and and put his, like, white voice at all times. I'm starting to get suspicious about who's actually running this company and why and what... I think there's... Other motives that I didn't see coming until right now. We shall see. There it is. That's what's happening. They're selling slave labor. They're selling the worry-free infomercial shit. They're selling the cult. Mm, that's that's where... Ugh. Oh, it's about to get good. We're about to get good now. Cassius is out here making trouble for himself. He walked up to his strike friends all in their little powwow outside the building in his new power collar expensive suit and... They were like, what's going on? And he just like immediately got not only defensive, but aggressive and attack and started like attacking them with his words. And it's like, you know, if you would have just shown a little bit of sympathy and like been a little bit apologetic, I think they would have understood. And well, I mean, they probably still would have tried to talk him out of it, but like it didn't have to get all tense like it got. But he just he jumped the gun, which is probably a theme of what he's doing with everything this whole movie. But yeah, he jumped the gun in that interaction and made me sad. But then the fight with him and his friend was really funny how they were just being like, Mmm, you smell so good! Mmm, let's get drinks! I'll buy all the drinks! (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Okay, what the fuck is up with this elevator voice talking all sexual at them? It's hysterical, but like, what is the commentary? I can't figure it out. What is going on? That, that he's, is, is it making fun of that he's supposed to get off on the idea of being rich? I did, you know, one thing that popped into my head is that the elevator voice made a comment about like, hope you didn't masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. It made me think of the Wolf of Wall Street, where essentially Leonardo DiCaprio's character would have been like the Cassius of this movie without all the racial elements. But he was told... Go in the bathroom and masturbate as many times a day as you need to make sure you keep yourself not tense. And I don't know. It was a, it was the opposite side of this argument of whether or not to masturbate while you're scamming people to make money. I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's great. But why is it happening? <laughs> All right. We just had the cash advance montage. I really enjoyed just... I don't know what you'd call it, the staging, the staging of the transformation of his home. That was not like anything I've ever seen in a movie before, the way things like split in half and were replaced by the new thing and like the TV like unfolded into the better TV. That was very fun, very creative. Just like in terms of how to make scenes in a movie happen, I thought that was really fun. A thought popped into my mind that you know, his girlfriend is very satisfied with herself and her life and very artsy and already very aware of, you know, morally right and wrong and more stick to about that. It made me think of Scrooge and the, the Christmas Carol story, because in some versions of that, 
it shows a flashback to when him and his original girlfriend wife broke up and it was during this same transition of like Scrooge was poor and he was in love and his wife was, you know, also poor and in love. And then he got rich, but he did so by like sacrificing literally everything he cared about for money, which is, I have a very strong inkling that that is exactly what's happening here is Cassius is uh, Scrooging himself and his lady's gonna leave. They're doing an MTV Cribs they're poking fun at that and they're doing it in the worry-free chambers, dormitories, sleeping decks, whatever you want to call them. Are they wearing do-rags? Because that's that just adds even more fuel to the fire of whatever the fuck's going on here. I don't really know how to articulate that, but yeah, it looks like they're wearing like very brightly colored, very... it like It looks like they're wearing like the hood clothes if they were designed by Jimboree. Like, what? what is this? What is happening? And of, co- of course, when I say the hood, like, you know, air quotes around it. And then, side note, this is, then he flips the channel and we're watching this, this, I got the shit punched out of me TV show, which is like the third or fourth time we're seeing people watch this show. I know this show is saying something too. I don't know what though. I guess I'm not smart. <laughs> As far as I can tell, it's been white people on this show getting the shit kicked out of them, which is, is that like the fantasy that they're aspiring toward? I, yeah, I don't know what it's trying to say. I know it's trying to tell me something, but I don't know what that is yet. Okay, the bit about the other black guy in the office's name. They bleeped out his name and then he was like, don't call me that bleeped out name. Call me this other bleeped out That was hilarious. I loved that. Faceless, nameless drones at the company. Ha ha ha. But yeah, it was it was a funny bit. Oh my god! The fiance is code switching too! We're at her art premiere and she is also code switching! Girl! She just gave him all that shit. I mean, like, I know she's still right because he's doing, like, a bunch of morally... He's selling slave labor at the expense of everyone else around him, which is actually way more wrong. But, like... This does knock her down a few pegs. She was all like, your white voice is creepy and like, my art means something. And here she is with her like, her character is using a fake British accent. I know she, the actress, actually has a real British accent. She's using a fake British accent. She's wearing like this clean cut white suit and her hair all slicked back, like not in its natural curly state like it has been the whole, ooh, she's a fake too. I mean, of course, it's a, it's a whole commentary on like, you know, they have to be in order to survive in this white oppressed world that's like the whole point of a movie about code switching but you know but yeah oh just this unveiling of like she just got on his ass and now here she is doing it Mm. i know i just said a thing about the actress playing the fiance or ex-fiance being british in real life but that's not even her voice so that was an irrelevant statement to keep in theme with the rest of the movie she's being voiced by somebody else and something that i noticed i don't know if it's done intentionally or not but it seems like the dub of whoever is doing her white voice over her, like the film of her mouth moving, it's not synced up as well as the two other, three other black men we've seen using a code switching white voice. I don't know if that's just like they had a harder time with her, these two actresses like getting their mouthing to align or or if that was like deliberate because she does this as a character, like this character does it less often. Her little art display of getting shit thrown at her 
reminds me of the TV show that is still confusing me of, of all the people, the let's get the shit beat out of me, whatever that TV show is they've been watching this whole time. It didn't quite follow though. Also not sure what she's reciting. I know she said where it was from, but I, I, I couldn't tell you myself if that's a real piece of media or not. I'm sure it is or not. I don't know. Is it important? I'll look it up later. Okay, in the room of all the complacent white people at the rich fuckers party yelling at him to rap and hey, have you ever bust a cap in anybody's ass? That's several things that have happened in this movie have been, you know, commenting on insensitivities of white people to black people. If that is an accurate thing to call it, I don't, it probably does not do it justice at all, but I digress. That scene was the first scene that made me like actively uncomfortable of like, hmm, we're not poking fun and commenting at the things that go on in real society. Like that feels like it could have actually happened in real society. That was the first scene that didn't feel like it was, you know, exclusively to fit in this, in the world of this movie. I was like, that has probably actually happened to any number of black people. Oh my God, he walked in that room and they were like, you're black, entertain us by being black. Oh, that actually made me, that was the first scene in this movie that made me like actually uncomfortable. Also, the guy playing the CEO of Worry Free, oh, I swear to God, I recognize him from somewhere or his voice from somewhere, but I cannot place it. I'm going to figure it out. It's Army fucking Hammer. That's why I recognize him. Okay. I didn't, I didn't get who he was with the beard, but I was like, I know his voice. Okay. I almost forgot to mention how we saw CEO Man do, like, the longest line of coke I've ever even imagined. What up with that? How did he not fry his nose off? Ooh, then there was the scene where he actually rapped, and he was like... Actually, I was... For a second, just a second, I was kind of impressed with, like, how on his feet he was thinking, because he was like, I can't rap. But these stupid white people aren't expecting me to rap. They're expecting me to be stereotypically black for them. So let me just yell the N-word at them. That'll get them all roused up. And it fucking did. But then I was like, "Mm, did you also just like sell out your own people and your own culture by like encouraging this room full of privileged, entitled white assholes to like yell the N-word over and over and over again and think for the rest of their lives that it's okay because you just gave them a scenario in which they're now going to think it's okay? Not that I'm like blaming him. It's still, they are still individuals or should be individuals and like are responsible for their own actions, but like. But yeah, he just totally slid into complacency with that. And uh, I don't want to say it's his fault, but I also, you know, he's not guiltless there. But yeah, he totally, that totally just more selling out, just more selling out from cash. And now it's an orgy. And now I'm, this, this actually upsets me personally because a, a naked girl just walked across the screen full frontal, like Mons pubis and all. And that pisses me off. It pisses me off because women, and I know, I know this is a movie about like the marginalization of black people and not the marginalization of women, particularly white women, which I am. So like I, you know, grain of salt with everything I'm about to complain about, but God, just the film industry and just being an, having to be an actress is like, Hey, do you want a job? show your vagina to the whole world and it'll be on film for literally ever and Pornhub is gonna 
nab it and it's going to be on Pornhub for literally ever because you just put your vagina on camera. Like, God, like name me an Oscar winning actress that hasn't shown her tits at some point in her career because I don't believe you. And like how many, how many male, like how many dicks do they show on screen? They're like, they're, it doesn't equate. Like I just saw vagina on this screen and, the, and I never see dicks in film hardly ever. <laughs> hardly. I'm a child. But seriously, almost never do I see penises in movies that aren't porn. But I see vaginas and tits all the time. I just, like, no. Did we see, like, labia? No. But, like, that was still her crotch. That was still full frontal. That was her crotch. I don't care that it was two seconds. Because she had to do it and a man did not have to do it. And that pisses me. Especially because I'm out here trying to be an actress. And I'm like... I know damn well that I will never get anywhere because I am not about to show anybody my vagina or any other part of me. That is, that is mine. And I'm not about to have Pornhub out here like nabbing it for the rest of my life. I don't care how tasteful the script is. And so it's this whole, oh, I feel so hopeless that I will ever get to do anything serious because like I won't show my body to the world. But like men don't have to do that. I fucking hate it. Okay. And tangent. Okay, this is going to be me, like, potentially very much overreaching and also maybe being wrong about the thing I'm overreaching about anyway. But he just walked through that long hallway. We Oh, the other black man, Power Caller, we heard his voice, his natural voice for the first time. And he sent Cassius through this hallway. And this hallway had a lot of green doors. And that made me think of, like, they were very bright green doors in this very, like, dark wood hallway. Like, it stood out as a very deliberate choice to me. And so it made my brain go, isn't there a porn called The Green Door? Didn't it kind of, like, revolutionize the porn industry? And wasn't the, I haven't seen it. I kind of want to see it, not going to lie. Just to see how crazy it is for myself. But if I'm not mistaken, and I very well might be, isn't the plot of that movie, and I mean, I yeah, you know, plots, porns, but isn't the plot of that movie is that a girl is, like, taken into, like, gang rapey sex slavery kind of nonsense and, like, convinced that she likes it in a very, very much reaching kind of way? Is that, like, sort of what they're saying is happening to Cassius and, like, other power callers? Is that they're, they're being sold into this were and sold and 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 they're selling slave it's all all these different ideas of what you could argue is slavery all these different senses of slave labor and being convinced that he likes it again yeah very overreaching i also might not be correct about the plot of that movie because i haven't actually seen it but i think that's loosely what it is and i'm just like what there were so many green doors that were so clearly on the screen i'm like Whether or not my theory here is correct, I'm like, I feel like that was an intentional choice anyway, for whatever reason. That's just where my brain went with it. How did I only just piece this together? I commented on his name earlier about his name being Cash. They revealed to us that his name Cassius was Cash. His last name is Green. How did I not realize that till all this way in the movie? His name is Cash is Green. Oh my god, how on the nose are we right now? That's like how when we, how, when they expanded upon the Lion King universe, they were like, Scar's actual name is Taka, which means trash. Of course, trash was the villain of the movie. Of course, Cassius Green is going to be the greedy sellout. Oh my God. As soon as he stepped out of 
the CEO's office to go to the bathroom and the CEO army hammer flipped the, the sand timer thing. I was like, oh, he's in it. He's in it. He's gone. Oh, we're, we're in the fight of our lives now. As soon as he timed him to go to the bathroom, I was like, it's done. He's, he's in this worry-free shit now. He's trapped. He's going to really have to fight for his life to get out of here now, isn't he? Isn't he? Also, also, I, I don't know what all this green door stuff is, but, but he said the jade door and like all the, not all the doors, they did have a couple different shades of green out there, but most of them are just like lime green. And he went into a, and Cassius went into a lime green door. And then he comes, when he, he encounters the horse creatures with the giant dicks that are like, help me, and chained up. Don't know what that's all about. And then Army Hammer finds him and is like, that's the olive door. I said the jade door. I'm like, oh my God, all these jades are the same. That was just a little dash of snooty, obnoxious, rich person comedy in the middle of all that crazy. Also... Cassius, I mean, what is what is the viewpoint of this movie right now? Because we've seen Cassius, like, see some crazy things, starting with him dropping into people's homes. And then he just did that giant line of, like, swirled up coke. So, like, are these horse people legit? What is going on? Okay, I'm both kind of impressed by, like, the, what is it, stop motion? Or whatever this other animation value, like, put into this movie. I'm, like, impressed at the change in media, but also I'm so irritated and disgusted by the constantly swirling monkey tits and just how unnecessary that was. I mean, like, I get that it's kind of, I get that it goes with, like, the commentary and the world of everything that we're dealing with right now, but also just, like, as the viewer outside of all of this, like, I didn't need that. Also, the very glaringly obvious problem of, like, in that video they said, it'll be the most productive blah 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 in human history. Well, will it? Because you're making not humans. So, like, it's not really human history anymore. Interesting concept, though. This is not where I thought this movie was going, and I am enjoying this ride. Other than the monkey tits and the girl's vagina. Oh my god! He snorted something! The guy in the video, he snorted something in order to become a horseman! Cassius already snorted something that was given to him by this- by the guy! <gasps> oh, it's- Ooh, he's done for! He's done for! I wonder if, because of the type of movie we're in, everyone who's been turned into a horse already, were they just anybody who's been part of this worry-free cult thing? Or because of the nature of, like, the, the context and the, and the commentary we're dealing with, are all of the worry-free horse people made out of formerly black people? I wonder if that's where this is headed, because... Wow, that would be, that would be just, that would just be so much. I don't even know how to respond. I mean, it's already so much and so terrible to begin with, but if the, oh God, oh God. Okay, Cassius is at the doctor and he's reading a tabloid that said horse people are stealing jobs from slaves. So like, this is all already happening and it's already in the news. What is going on? This is already happening. It's already public news. He's not going to break this story to anyone. It's already out. Th- what What is the world of this movie if, like, this is already common knowledge and nothing has changed yet? I thought it was just commentary on this company, but now it's, is it commentary on the whole world? What's happening right now? Did they really stop what they were doing? They just, oh my god, they have video evidence 
of what is happening with Worry Free and the CEO. They have incriminating evidence on her phone and they stopped to go have sex. It was light out, now it's dark out. They wasted the day banging each other when like the world is crumbling and they are the only ones with evidence. Oh my God, stop being such traitors. Okay, he went on that let's get the shit kicked out of me show in order to get his clip, his incriminating clip played to the most people because earlier in the movie they established about how that's the most watched show in America. It was an interesting take, still accurate, about how even in a very different chapter of capitalism and sales and entertainment being like this, like now TV entertainment, not phone sales, he still had to be complacent and get absolutely taken advantage of just in this very different way in order for him to get just to play this clip. Like it's just, it's really painting and it's, it's either that or the Regal View phone thing, or be poor and living in a garage. It's like, lose, lose, lose. Is, ooh, it's bleak, just like life. Hmm. And now, now he's on these interview shows and telling his story. I don't trust it. I don't trust where we're going right now. Like, something tell like, because this is going off too easily, aside from the whole being on the Let's Get the Shit Kicked Out of Me show and getting his dick punched and being covered in actual poop. I feel like this is going off too simply. Like somehow this is going to turn out to be part of Worry Free's plan. Like, they planned for this, and they have, like, some kind of backup thingamajig. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that I don't trust what is currently happening. Okay, we had the whole protest scene. We saw very accurate representation of the cops, like, just absolutely beating the shit out of people who weren't, like, beating the shit out of them first they were like oh they came over and they smacked Cassius in the face and like he was literally just sitting on the ground already the horse people broke out we don't know how they broke out they implied that Cassius broke them out but we don't really know how and this and and that leads us to everything that the CEO said about like the horse the Equisapiens are gonna make their own culture like yeah they are horse people like they're free now and unless this this voodoo like changing back magic serum that he talked about wasn't bullshit, unless that wasn't bullshit, they're stuck that way. And so like that's part of the world they live in now, Equisapiens. But then he's talking about then he's going back to work at Regal View, which like on one hand like they have the union established now, they explain that, but like it's still the same company that was selling the same slave labor to with 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 worry free as their client so like when he started to change in the into the horse i was like yeah i mean i was like what the fuck but i was like yeah because you're going back to work for the same place that started all of this but then just technically speaking like what changed him into the horse because like does the does the cocaine he was fed like really have that that much of a delayed reaction because it's been like it could have been weeks by now like how many interview shows did he go on and how many how long did it take to plan that stampede? Like, huh, stampede horses. Ha ha. Um, how long? Did, like, it could have been. What changed? What did they do? The cha- Was it the gas? No, because then the wife would have changed too. What happened? Although I do, I do like the, the slightly more justified ending of the horses coming back to, you know, I, I guess this kind of eat the rich notion of they broke into his house and they're, they're going to get him. But, uh, yeah. What a wild ride. What a wild ride. Did we learn anything by the end of this? Did Cassius learn anything? I don't really know. I don't know. 
Also, with his with losing the big time paying job, how did he like move all his fancy shit back into the garage? And how did he just like give his friend that car for free? Also, to anyone who thinks that I w- went off on my on my high horse too soon about the women showing their vaginas and men not showing dicks, and they want to be like, "What the haha, <laughs> high horses?" But the horses, we did see a lot of horse dick. But I would like to still argue that my point stands because those were costumes, not actual dicks, and they were horses or equisapiens, not men. And my griping was about male actor, human male actors versus human female actresses. So my argument still stands. But yes, we did see a lot of horse dick. Uh, that was an entertaining movie. It definitely had a lot of commentary. I don't know if a lot was learned, but yeah, definitely saw a lot of things. Lots and lots of commentary. I don't know about how, like, under the radar this is. Like, because I definitely heard about this movie before I knew that you guys were doing it on your podcast. And it had some pretty notable actors and voice actors in this movie. So I'd say it's, like, only slightly less than mainstream, if you ask me. And it was just, like, on Hulu for free. But, yeah, good time. I definitely think it was a well-done movie, and I enjoy it. Uh, something else I noticed about stuff going on in the background of the movie is that Cassius had a picture of a guy by a car that was always, like, in the background by his desk, and it was moderately changing throughout the movie. I couldn't tell you why that is. Not really. But I did notice... Um, after finishing the movie, I could not really tell you why they focused on the girlfriend's earrings. I get that they were, like, statement pieces of, like, protest art that she was making, but, like, the camera focused on them at least three times, if not more than that. Like, close-ups on her earrings beyond that of just seeing her wearing these giant statement earrings. Which makes me think that, like, they wanted us to notice that they had more to do with something, like... Yes, they did seem to, you know, comment on the chapters of the play that we were in. Play. It's a movie. The chapters of the movie we were in. But I don't know. Like, it just seemed... Like, was it supposed to be just that simple? Like, her earrings are commenting on the movie going on around her? Or was it supposed to be more than that? Not sure. I did try to look a little bit into her her demonstration art. The lines she was saying were from the movie The Last Dragon. I'm not very familiar with that movie, but... What I gathered is that the character saying the lines that is her name Detroit in this movie that Detroit was saying during her art show, the character in The Last Dragon saying them was apparently, you know, throughout the movie, not the greatest character, not the smartest character, but like by the end of the movie came to her senses, showed growth and like got out of her bad relationship. And so Detroit saying these lines can kind of be like... Oh, but saying it's it's not just that she's saying these lines. It's that she's saying these lines while getting pelted with stuff, which I don't know. Is that supposed to be it could be commentary on like her world or it could be commentary of like the movie we're watching. I was thinking I also was thinking it was kind of like foreshadowing again of what was going to happen to Cassius because he's been morally not the greatest through the move throughout the throughout the movie up until this point and what he goes through after this is like he comes to his senses and tries to speak up about it 
just like this last dragon girl came to her senses and tried to speak up about it. But Detroit saying these last dragon lines, she's trying to speak up about something, but like getting pelted with all this shit, which is quite literally what happens to Cassius. He, he tries to speak up, uh, but he does so by getting beaten up on that show and covered in shit. And then, you know, people like still not a vast majority of people taking him seriously. And like, yeah, I think it's probably most likely foreshadowing what's happening to Cassius, her art show. And I'm sure the fact that, you know, cell phones were being thrown at her had to be part of that. Just the the media and the consumption and all that. I'm not really sure. But yeah, those are, those are my thoughts. Something that I thought about in terms of the Equisapiens, whether you want to call it a plot hole or whether you want to call it part of the story and the, and the rich capitalist fuckers just being cocky and overlooking it, something they advertised about it in that little, like, stop-motion video thing talking about making Equisapiens. They were like, we've modified human DNA and made them more... I don't remember what the verbiage was, but it was essentially saying we made them more docile or more cooperable or more calm or something like that, and clearly that did not happen as the horse people all rebelled. They all rebelled, which is exactly what they were building them to, like, not do. Not have, like, the genetic makeup to give them personalities that would make them do something like that. Although, I guess you could say they sensed that that might happen because that's why they wanted to bring Cassius in as, like, a infiltrated leader in the first place is because they were like, well, we programmed them that way, but they could still, you know, get ideas of their own. I don't really know what they... Whether that's like a plot hole or not, or just science gone wrong in, in the world of the movie. But yeah, they, they certainly were not docile, not cooperable. Did they address how they got set free at the end? Did that ever get explained? If I didn't say so already, I do think... My official theory is that I don't think they said that... I don't think they said that they ever stopped this cult organization from existing, this slave labor, slave labor from existing. They stopped everybody from going into work that day, and they had that big old mess at the protest, and then they got a union started. But, like, I don't remember them saying that the actual problem was ever fixed. And I do think that the coke that Cassius snorted in the CEO's chambers was the what did he call it? The catalyst? Like, it wasn't just coke. Even though he told him it was just coke, of course it wasn't. But I think it had the delayed reaction. My official theory is that it had the delayed reaction because it wasn't just like a magic transform powder. It was like a catalyst of some sort. I think that's what I remember Army Hammer's character saying. And so it wasn't until the end of the movie when Cassius decided to go back to work for Regal View with having the, the, soul, the heart and soul of the problem not actually fixed. That's when he turned into the horse. <laughs> Did you guys talk at all about how this, how Sorry to Bother You was first an album and then a book? Because that's how long the director has been working with this idea. Like, this is really a love project of his. He's had this on his docket forever. And also, if you guys take fan interjections for pop culture pop out, oh my god, the new Spider-Man trailer looks incredible. I cried twice because that's how excited I was. I cried twice the night I saw it, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. 
it looks amazing. Everything about it looks amazing. The multiverse stuff looks amazing. Even the story, like the little nuggets of like interpersonal stuff that he appears to be dealing with outside of multiverse nonsense. It, oh my god, I all of it looks incredible and I'm so excited. Okay, I love Spider-Man. The end. Thank you. Thank you.